Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka, welcome to Womanity, Women in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in our Johannesburg studio is Dr. Deline Alexander, who heads up undergraduate affairs at the Department of Psychology, Dr. Jay Sidat, who is currently the head of Department of Speech Pathology and Audiology, and Dr. Simangele Maisela, who heads up the Committee of Transformation at the school. All three members of this panel are from the School of Human and Community Development at Wits University. Following on our first series from last week where we addressed some of the psychological reasons that women still experience discrimination in their lives, both in the workplace and on the home front, our panelists now continue that conversation where they unpack how to overcome some of those issues, to overcome discrimination in order for women to develop and excel. Tentatively, what, what types of solutions do we have in changing thinking, something that, that doesn't need a generation to, to work through? So if, if each of you could share your opinions, and I think we'll start with Dr. Alexander. Mm. I do think that's a very loaded question because we always think about agency, and agency is very good but it's also difficult because it leaves the responsibility almost with the individual so it is very much an internal responsibility so I think a lot of women feel the heaviness and the burden of the fact that you have to present as nurturing, likable, you have to be um, acquiring that dual role of being a go-getter, but also present yourself in such a way that you are likable, that you are open, that you are agreeable, so that you can reach the top. And if you are not, you seem to be too much of having the qualities of a man and if um, a male present with those qualities then that is more acceptable and it does seem that more males easily sort of acquire those roles to the top but I do believe it is about pushing through and digging deep and having self-efficacy and you know resilience and despite the difficulties that you will experience in the workplace that you need to have that self-belief and uh, move past you know self-limiting beliefs because if you don't you will never survive in the corporate workplace and an institution um, like an academic mm. workplace. And Dr. Sirat, from your side? So I attended a conference on leadership and women in leadership positions. And the one thing that stood out for me from that conference was they said that 
you have to remember that there's certain things that come to you at certain times and you have to forego certain things to achieve what you need to. And I always question that and I said, why, but why do women have to do this? Because the same is not ever told to males. You have to forego this because you want to get a promotion or you have to forego that. And, and I think the whole thing about resilience and us believing in ourselves and supporting each other, I think, as women. And I think often... Again, this may be unintentional consciousness, or unintentional, but I don't know that women always support each other mm-hmm. or show each other that actually you're doing a good job or actually you can do a bit more. And, and I think if we start to do that and we believe in what we're doing and we have the vision to see that actually, and I think we, we're showing that. I mean, for the three of us to be here on your, on your show says that, and I never ever thought I'd be here. And the fact that we here is proof that actually if you have a vision and you work with whatever it is you need to, that journey is not going to be easy, but you'll get somewhere. It may not be right to the top, and I don't think we all want to aspire to be at the top, but with passion and with vision, I think we can be great leaders as women. Listening to what you've said, I... Um I had a conversation with with someone a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about women in leadership attending conferences and she said but part of the problem is men don't attend those conferences so here we are talking about women's leadership and then you go back into the workplace and you're talking about women as a leader but how does a man know what women's leadership is how does he respond to your leadership interesting because exactly that when I said to a colleague yesterday <laughs> that I'm going to be going to do this and he says but we are the men on the panel and that's exactly that and and who listens to these shows as well it's going to be mainly females that listen to it so where are the men in the picture mm-hmm. and it's like preaching to the converted mm-hmm. almost and when you're talking about the uh, and we, we completely appreciate the three of you have, have taken your time out today and you've galvanized together. How did that happen? Is there uh, communities? Is there rather committees within the institution that help get you together? Please share some of that perspective. So yes, there are, um, I think within our school at the university, there are different committees that exist. And each of us within the school are on different committees. So I think when things come up, depending on what your roles are within committees, like Dr. Mayusila is um, on the Transformation Committee at the, at the School of Human Community Development. Uh, Dr. Alexander and I are in headship roles at the university. So we know each other's strengths. We know what our interests are. So when things come up, we we almost galvanize mm. together. So you're looking out mm. for one another mm-hmm. by by knowing this. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Maisela, you head up a very interesting committee being at transformation of the school. And transformation is, of course, a, a tremendous issue and a, a big deal that we've got to address in South Africa. Yes, true. And thinking about transformation, I'd say that this isn't just from a race point of view, but mm. it's also from a gender perspective. Yes, yes. And uh, even beyond that, um, remember gender, again, it's not only two categories, you know. Um, We have to think of gender and sexuality as, you know, a very multi, um, what, uh, multiple, you know, in, 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 
in its in, it is a phenom- phenomenon that is very it has its multiplicities. So um, w- therefore, I wouldn't want to make this conversation to be more on you know thinking about transformation uh, in institutions only to 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 think about only women and 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 men we have to think about all the other you know a, a, a genders um we have to you know as, as 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 institutions to be transformative we need to think about um you know as a society what do women uh, the roles that women are playing um in relation to 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 you know the economic uh, development of the country, their contribution and the efforts, their abilities, what is it that they can give that we have normed as 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 only what women can give and males cannot give? We have to bring to the the the, the discourse of gender normativity to both males and females. And I would I, I like um to quote um Chimamanga Ngozi, you know, when she speaks about feminism. A feminist is a mental state. It's a way of thinking. Therefore feminism it's not only for women. Males can be feminists as well. Only if they think that um, women and as well as men, they have equal strength. If there are differences, those differences are embedded on individualities because no two individuals are similar or are the same. But um, in terms of whether women don't, do, do they have, you know, qualities and strengths to be, to lead an organization or to you know, head very important functions within organizations, that we have to dis- demystify uh, those, ki- those kinds of uh, uh, stereotypes. Um, from the transformative point of view, and I would like to generalize with, you know, for 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 institute for institutions thinking of, you know, we have beautiful um, labor relations, um, uh, 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 you know, policies that looks into how people, how individuals within organizations can be uh, uh, allowed to have access to employment. Women need to have access to employment as much as males have can have access to employment and if that particular uh, job or that particular uh, uh, position a woman can have similar strengths as well as a man has why is it that a male will have that job and not a woman it's all about what women can do as well that they can do as well as male males or male figures can do it so i think it's very important to think that um institutions have to transform policy wise as well as people in leadership of those institutions have to be transformed when you look at the scenario a man presents himself a woman presents himself they've both got 
equal qualifications. They've both got equal levels of experience. Mm -hmm. How does policy help influence? Is it about uh, an affirmative action policy or is it about saying that we want to have a set quota in the organization or institution? How can we start changing this ratio where a man is taken because he's a man as opposed to the differences between the, the candidates and their competitiveness? Right. You know what is important is um, practice. And um, we need to see results. If we have policies only that are not enacted within organizations, is as good as not having those policies. And policies South Africa is very good at making at policies. Good policies. Hey? And um, however, you find that within institutions, those policies are not practiced at all. So in short, even if we have to look within that organization as in how many women do we have in that particular position, or if it's, in, it's an industry itself, whether nationwide or within that particular industry, how many women do we have in that part, acting in that particular position or functioning in that particular position and how many women do we have who have those skills but they are not accommodated or not I, I wouldn't even like to use the concept of accommodation they are not given the access to those positions they have the qualifications I mean even now we have a number of young people who are not uh, employed but if most of them are women young women are not you know getting access to employment while they have skills that are similar and the same as of their male uh, counterparts. And we've already spoken about women being more educated than their male counterparts. So you've got the qualifications, but now you're having this barrier of still not being able to come into the workforce. Your view, Dr. Alexander? I think it is about that uh, internal strength, that internal drive, uh, not allowing those barriers to prevent you from applying, prevent you from going out there and striving. And if you don't succeed at the one institution or the one company, not to give up. And I think it is very difficult if you get rejection after rejection, but I think people need to strive. They need to apply. And I think also what we are doing here today needs to happen more often. You know, the public needs to be made aware and we need to voice because I think Women are voiceless. They don't get to express what we are expressing here today. And it needs to be noted. It needs to be made public. Because I think uh, people become so depressed, people become so anxious that they just start feeling hopeless and helpless. And in my practice, I just see so many young women becoming totally demoralized and just giving up. But I, th I think we can't allow that to happen. And I think as 
as a panel, we know that we try our very best. If there are young women that come our way, mm-hmm. we just encourage them. We just give them hope. And I think that is what we need to do as a community. And, um, yeah, make the nation, make the the companies, the heads, the CEOs accountable that okay. they need to appoint appoint more, more women. And building on from organizational perspective, whether it's an institution, whether it's a, a corporate, what? how do you see their responsibility in this mix? Because we've looked at this as, as policy as general. We've looked at this as individuals saying, don't give up, keep going. If one door closes, knock on the next one, keep going. But how do we make those doors open up? Um, I'm trying to think. I think... In terms of making the doors open, I think we have to rely on the policies to do that. And as, I mean, some of the things you mentioned earlier in terms of redress or quotas or whatever it is, I think that's going to be one of the driving forces for these doors to open up and, and ensuring that actually if you are, if as a company you're not employing certain numbers, then whatever it is that you need to, you it needs to be enforced more at a, a government level, whichever country you're in. But... I think the other thing that we need to do is also acknowledge that I think women are making great strides and and not everywhere, but I think in the continent, uh, I think that women are making strides. So it's a visibility factor and role modeling that you're seeing more women in these positions and it makes it more acceptable. Exactly. And I think we just, not everybody gets to see that as well as you're talking about visibility we don't get to see that actually women are making a difference they are doing stuff they have the abilities and capabilities i mean if i think about the health care system even in this country if you look at the people who are working a large majority of them are female in those kinds of positions and it goes back to the whole caring thing and the empathy and those kinds of traits that women have but at the same time if the supports are not there for a woman to succeed then I'm not sure that they're going to succeed either because they can't do it by themselves without the support structures, logistical, systemic structures, structural systems. They have to be in place to support women as it has been in place historically when men were in those positions. Yes, because their supporter was their wife. Exactly. (laughs) And I think a conscious effort needs to be be there from, from women themselves. Women have to do it for themselves. If a woman is in a powerful position, I think it is within that woman to ensure that she supports women in that particular organization. And I think all of, uh, all of us here, we are in a very fortunate um, position of being in academic institutions where we deal with multitudes of young women. And we can see there are drives like take a, a, a young girl to, to work or take a young girl to your employment or let a young girl shadow you. Those, I think those efforts are conscious. And I think as a country, we women, we have to, I mean, if, if, can you imagine if each and every successful woman can say I am mentoring this girl 
I mean, in our numbers, can you imagine what difference can we make? And we can do even more. I mean, some of us, we have the capacity to mentor two or three girls, three young women, and mentor them, mentoring them, meaning to go beyond just caring for their basic needs, immediate needs, but, you know, shaping their intellectual or their cognitive thinking in relation to gender roles and, you know, a, a gender uh, 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 formulations. If I think if we can make that be reflective as well. I liked what um, uh, Dr. Siddharth uh, alluded to when she said women are making strides. That shows that, you know, she's being ref reflexive in terms of, by the way, hang on a minute, as women, where are we? Where are we coming from? Thinking about where our parents, our mothers have been, I mean, you know, this has been you know, discussed earlier. When we think of that and we think of where we are now, then to be easier to think of how we can go forward. Thank you so much. You are listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective, on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band, also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today we're talking to Dr. Deline Alexander, Dr. Jashika Sidat, and Dr. Simangile Maisela, who are all from the School of Human and Community Development at Wits University. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. Dr. Sidat, you mentioned something earlier in the conversation where we were talking about um, a woman in leadership at attending a conference and questioning the fact of why women can't have it all. And I'm reminded of a quote by Madeleine Albright, who was the former United States Secretary of State, who said, a woman can't do everything at the same time. We need to understand milestones in our lives come in segments. Yeah, so I think I think it's, it's such, for me, I just feel, why must we not push back? Why must we not question something like that? If it's acceptable for a particular cohort of people, why can it not be acceptable for everyone? Um, and then the same kind of restrictions that may uh, apply to females then should apply to males. Um, and however it plays out, it plays out. But I just think if once we start giving up certain things at certain points in our life, that almost lays the foundation for us to then give up things as we aspire to different positions and th it never ends so why must we not push back and say actually we can have it all if we need to get this person to support us to do this then that's who the person will be if we need that then why not and it goes to enabling to outsource outsourcing certain functions mm -hmm. you don't actually need to do all of those functions wow. to have everything Absolutely. you're using your support structure so that's a 
definitely part of a, a, a solution factor. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Alexander, in, in your point of view of, of moving ahead for women, trying to remove some of those barriers. You've focused a lot from an internal perspective on Mm. how we can start to have have self-efficacy. What other ways can we reduce barriers so that women can move ahead? I think it is about um, having also a communal um, perspective, having um, committees, conversations, um, I think we also adverts have the support of our head of school. We interact uh, with each other as well. I have support outside of it. So what I've learned very early in my life is that you don't have to have a big network of friends but you have selective groups of people that you almost outsource, just like uh, you spoke about now, that you have people that you rely on for certain things. So um, you might not have to be educated scholastically in these things, but you have to be reflexive about how and mindful about how you need to lead your life. You have to navigate these spaces in your marriage or with your partner. And I think we need to to teach these skills to our children. We need to teach it to the other young people that you interact with. So if I am coordinator of purses, I take it very seriously to communicate this information to them and um, they are mostly young women of different races, different backgrounds, but I take them under my wing and I mentor them so that um, I try and inspire in them that you can all apply, they are honor students, you can all apply for masters Um, and I don't look at their marks. I make a conscious decision that I don't evaluate you based on your academics. It's about the person that I interact with and meet, and then I mentor them. And it's not just about uh, tutoring. It's not just about uh, going in front of the classroom. It's about looking at you as a person. And I... I know some of them come from more privileged backgrounds, but I equalize. I look at how can I make you understand that you have the potential. And then I look at them as a collective. And then if I see that there's something that I need to address, I call them into my office and I make them understand. You work with people. You know, there are things that you need to adjust. You need to accommodate. And, and, you know, so it's about looking at different ways, you know, that you can address them. And they are not even aware that I'm addressing individual barriers, institutional barriers, you know, contextual barriers. But eventually, after the year is done, 
they come back and they say, I understand. They are mindful. There's self-regulation. There's insight. And they are able to, to understand, you know, how these barriers have been addressed. And I think that's the kind of mindset we need to apply, not just with our colleagues, but with people that we interact with in our homes, in the community, at a larger contextual and level. It almost sounds that when I listen to the example that you've just uh, relayed here, that you're doing this subconsciously, that yes. they're not necessarily aware yes. of these barriers. You're aware of them, yes. and you know that this is something that they could con confront, yes. but you've taken them away yes. without them having to navigate. Yes. So that's, I mean, that, that's wonderful from a mentorship point of view. Thank you. Mm. And uh, Dr. Maisela, from your point of view, on one of the key things that, well, a couple of key things that you spoke about in our, our previous conversation was about the importance of education, how to overcome vulnerabilities, um, the pervasiveness of sexual abuse that permeates the workforce. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I think to alleviate uh, those uh, difficulties or those challenges, gender-based challenges, um, we need to think in terms of um, the whole society. Back to you know the earlier conversation about why empower women? Does empowering women mean neglecting, you know, um, young men? If we empower women, um, what is it that we are empowering them on? If we provide education, yes, let's provide education to all, you know, uh, um, our young boys and young girls. And so that, you know, we don't find now, you know, a, 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 what a, a reverse gender situation whereby young boys are now helpless or they harbor anger because they see young women progressing and then they feel like, you know, they are left outside or out of the outside the, 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 the economic, uh, 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 what, um, a, a, environment and they're not benefiting it is important to think of um you know gender mainstreaming in every situation think about in this particular sector who needs to benefit and then mainstream uh, the access to a particular gen that gen gender, that particular gender, that needs to be, you know, afforded th the opportunity because there are, you know, sectors like education, the education sector, social work. We have social work in in as part of our one of our schools, and I mean that school and even students who are coming to study social work are females, and therefore we need to have males or young men who will be educated in terms of social welfare you know and if we neglect that aspect we are doing the whole nation a disfavor so in short what i'm trying to say is that we really need to think of gender uh, addressing gender issues in a holistic way and um 
you know, I can't emphasize more the issue of realizing that women, girls are vulnerable. They really need the support. They need, we need to be there to empower them all the way. And, and we can't do enough. We need to do more and more. So would that be almost, I'm call this as, as, as last words, as empowerment, addressing vulnerabilities? Yes, because women in any case, they have even more challenges physiologically. You know, the issues of menstruation now, I mean, can you imagine that now is becoming, it's with awareness and education, that aspect of uh, a woman's uh, sexuality and, 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 and development is becoming now, you know, a discourse that needs to be taken to our young men and, 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 and young women. Because there is no way that we can deal with this issue without having to involve young men or even you know, our male counterparts in this whole discourse. Like you rightfully indicated that our males, they really need to be part of this whole conversation. We can't keep them out of this. comes a, an, an us and, and them. Yes. As we're wrapping up, um, Dr. Alexander, if you can share a few words of advice you'd like to pass on to young ladies listening on the continent. I think it becomes a broken record, but I just want to say to the young ladies out there not to um, give up. I think I want to emphasize that the world is your oyster, that whether you are from a rural community like myself, inner city, that you need to believe in yourself. I think education is key, that you need to ensure that you get mentorship and that you strive and that you don't belittle yourself with self-limiting beliefs. Go forward and that I believe that you will be able to succeed. And yeah, everything of the best. Thank you. And Dr. Sidat, if you can possibly share some gender advice through perhaps the greatest lesson that you've learned in, in your career thus far? I think one of the greatest lessons I've learned is be true to yourself and have integrity in everything that you do and also just believe in what you're doing. Um, I think call, I don't, I don't know that it makes you any less of a person if you ask for help. Um, I think it takes a great amount of courage to ask for help and I think don't look at that as being something that's a weakness. Um, asking for help um, and just believing in what you're doing uh, and doing it with integrity. And I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of stuff that we talked about may seem pie in the sky and not achievable and just know that it can be achieved. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your, your different perspectives, um, looking at the solutions, looking at the way forward for young women and girls. 
You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective, and we have been talking to Dr. Deline Alexander, Dr. Tashika Sidat, and Dr. Semangele Maisela from the School of Human and Community Development at Lits University. Thank you for joining us.